What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. My name's Emily. And I'm Paige. And we're back, bitches. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. Um, how the fuck are you? It's been a bit. I'm so good. I watched three, count them, three Final Destination movies today. Which ones? One, two, and three. Oh, okay. What's the one where there's like a tanning bed? You know what I'm talking about? That one's three. Um, it's the one with the roller coaster crash. Uh, it's it's very like mid two thousands. It is a very classic, like all the mid two thousands horror movie tropes you could possibly imagine are in that one. So good. Yeah, I've only seen like bits and pieces of those movies, so I'm in. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Friend of the pod, Caroline and I started this show together on Hulu called Cruel Summer. I'm sure everybody and their mother knows about it because it's like came out a while ago. But we are freaking out. It is so good. I've heard good things about it. I have Hulu, so it's always advertising those things to me. But I am busy rewatching Catfish right now on Hulu, so I can't be bothered. <laughs> Understandable. Um, we hope you guys had a good month or so, five weeks or whatever it will be since we last recorded. We've got a really nice emails from everybody, and I have been reading your papers. They are super insightful and super interesting. Jennifer, your email literally made us laugh out loud. I, Jennifer sent us a really nice email, um, but the thing that really stood out to me was the critique on the movie makeup. It, I was screaming. I don't remember much about the movies, but I, it doesn't surprise me that they don't know how to blend. I'm not surprised. Yeah, me neither. Um, we got to watch the movie at some point, and then we were thinking, like, we would record and do it, and then we were thinking we could also have a Netflix party with the patrons. Nothing's on the books for that yet, because you bitches are busy. Um, Paige has picked up more stuff, and or shifts at work, and I'm just doing stuff. <laughs> That's not really that important, but I'm still busy. So stay tuned. We'll let you know. Yeah, and I'll, speaking of the movies, I wanted to bring this up. Now that the movies are on Netflix, I feel like they're more accessible to people who may not have even rewatched them since the first time they'd seen them in 2008 or whatever. I am seeing so many memes on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. I am seeing so many. And if they look spoilery, I skip over them. But a lot of them are from just Twilight. So I know enough about that. I mean, I've read the book. So nothing is super spoily for that, at least. And they're so funny. One of my favorite TikToks, it's the audio of um, that one episode of SpongeBob where SpongeBob is doing stand up and he's mumbling. He's really bad. And you hear that one fish go, Oh, brother, this guy stinks. That audio is really popular on TikTok, but it's girls sitting down to watch Twilight. And the caption is like me sitting down to watch Twilight again, being team Jacob. And it's just like you see her a couple scenes of Jacob in it of like him kissing Bella. And it cuts back to the girl and like her face is kind of cringing a little bit. And then she leans into the TV and she's like, oh, brother, this guy stinks. Thanks. It's really funny. That is funny. Huh. I'm surprised that she went with Team Jacob there because you could say the same about Edward, really. I mean, I when I was talking to my roommate Liddy about it, she said that she was Team Jacob from the beginning because she did not like Edward. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how I feel right now as someone who doesn't know enough Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know enough about Edward to know that he's not my favorite. 
Yeah, I mean, we will soon know. Your feelings may change. They may grow. Who knows? We are starting a whole ass new book today. Before we do that, though, Paige got me this thing. Um, I don't know what it is. It's from Redbubble, and she said I have to open it in the presence, quote-unquote, presence of her. So. Yes, I saw this product on TikTok, and I, I couldn't not buy it for Emily. So you all are hearing her live reaction to it and my live reaction to her live reaction. It's like Inception. Okay, they sealed it pretty good, I'm not going to lie. Oh, there's like a whole arrow. <laughs> I'm stupid. Okay. This thing's off. I ripped off the thing. Suspense. Oh my god. <laughs> you guys, this is literally a bumper sticker. And it's... <laughs> First of all, the background, it's like the earth and stars, which makes no sense given the context. And it says, Robert Pattinson fan first, feminist second. <laughs> you get me. I I just, I love that the background, first of all, looks like it was made on MS Paint. And that <laughs> just the message is amazing. It's just such a good message. Yes, I hope that whoever made this, like the artist, is making bank off of it because it's hilarious. You should, if there's any information on the receipt in there about like who the artist is, because I ordered it off of Redbubble, which is a website where all kind of independent artists, oh, nothing, okay. Um, just Google the quote and you'll be able to find it on Redbubble. Whoever the artist is, they have the best stickers. They're insane. There's one that says MILF and then underneath it says, man, I love frogs. <laughs> It actually does say on the back, it says, well, this might be the artwork of the envelope. Yeah, so it's probably not the actual artist. Yeah, I'll Google it and I'll credit them next time. But it says they're from San Francisco, unless that's just where they ship it from. Who knows? But all, all I got to say is I'm glad you like it. I'm so glad that you got it for me. It's so cute. I'm definitely going to put it in my car, which I have to get the oil changed on next weekend. And my dad's going to see it and he's going to be like, what the fuck? I got my oil changed today. Damn, I fucking hate it. It's like, really? I just drive you. That's like what you exist to do. Why do I have to fucking treat you like a baby? I I can't say that I agree with the statement because like like if I was a car, my the lights going off on my dashboard would be like, stop eating Cheetos. Put nutrition in me. Change my oil page. But I won't do it. And guess what? I'm getting a flat tire soon, probably. You know, it would solve the world's energy crisis if they could figure out a way to make gas out of Cheetos. That shit's not real cheese. You don't need dairy for it. It's made of, like, chemicals, I'm sure. <laughs> it's probably, like, one chemical compound away from gas or whatever they always fucking say. It's also, I would say, predominantly red dye, which Lydia informed me is she's pretty sure is cancerous, and I'm like... If, if I'm going to die, which we all are, we are all going to die, I may as well die doing what I love, and that's licking hot Cheeto dust off of my fingers. Also, when you said red dye, this, no one cares about this, but you will care about it, but the listeners won't. <laughs> Whenever someone says, like, red or blue dye or whatever, I think of that one episode of SpongeBob, the first dollar, when they're on that ship, and they're like, who, who like, kissed this or whatever with coral blue, whatever. And Spongebob, like, is putting lipstick on, and he's like, actually, it's Coral, coral Blue number 42. 
while simultaneously putting it on his lips. And I feel like he's holding a purse, too. Yes, he is. (sighs) What can't SpongeBob do? Nothing. Get his fucking license. Then he would have to change his oil, so. We've come full circle. What do you think so far of New Moon? We read the preface, which is like two pages long. We read the first chapter, and I don't know if you've read the back jacket. Have you read the back jacket yet? I didn't, actually. Now that now that you're pointing it out, I did not read it. Um, so I can do a live reading of that with yes. a live reaction. Give me your initial thoughts first, and then you can do your the back jacket. Initial thoughts? The, the first thing that came to my mind when I was finishing up chapter one... One of the first things I learned in my creative writing class was, if not in the first paragraph, at least in the first chapter, you need to introduce some major conflict. There needs to be conflict going on. And boy, howdy, Stephanie nailed it. I was like, I, you know that one gif of the monkey puppet where it's like his mouth is wide open and he's like, yes, that's how I felt. I was like, oh my god, I'm so excited to see what happens next. I'm captivated so far. I'm not going to say the T word that you know, uh, I know you hate. Thank you. Titillated. Uh, she said it anyways. Um, the preface is quite different, so let's just talk about that really quick, and then we'll do the back jacket. So, as this, the preface in Twilight was, it's like randomly out of context, we don't know what's going on. Bella's talking about how she's trying to basically, she's racing for something. She's racing to save something. Alice said that they would both die and there's a clock tolling. So what do you think of this? The pressure is on. I feel, I feel like kind of how I felt during, during, during the, the car, the racing chapter of Midnight Sun, where we know Bella is in danger and we're trying to get they're fast like we I I don't know what the danger is I don't know what the threat is but I the any kind of ticking clock just adds so much anxiety to me so that incorporation really had me on edge but I really found it fascinating that Bella is the the person who is in charge of saving the day in this scene like she was really the the victim, I guess, in Twilight. Like, a lot of things happened to Bella where she was the one who needed saving. We don't even know who she's trying to save. I mean, it's Edward. It's pretty clearly Edward from the way that she's talking. Like, I would rather die than have than have this not go my way. It's, I'm, I'm, I would bet money on this being Edward. Um, but you just, I, it's just a different contrast of now Bella's the one in charge here. Guess what, Edward? You take a step down, I'm going to be the one to save you. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Okay. I have no further comments, so you can start reading the back jacket, please. I knew we were both in mortal danger. Still, in that instant, I felt well, whole. I could feel my heart racing in my chest, the blood pulsing hot and fast through my veins again. My lungs filled deep with the sweet scent that came off his skin. It was like there had never been any hole in my chest. I was perfect, not healed, but as if there had never been a wound in the first place. Interesting. Thoughts? 
it's interesting that we it, there's no clarification as to who this person is that i mean the i is obviously bella because this book is in first person but um his it, she says his it's a male you would think that it would be Edward. We've already introduced that character. She would have, she should have no issue using his name, but she doesn't. I think it's interesting that there's no specification as to who the person is. Could be Jacob. I don't know. Could be. If you were a bet, betting woman, who would you say? I'm putting money on Jacob. But I, I mean, if it was Edward, it wouldn't be surprising. But I personally think it's Jacob because I, I'm waiting for the skew where it changes to a focus on Jacob. I know that's going to happen at some point. And with the title New Moon, I feel like this, there's going to be a, a shift, if you would. Yeah, interesting. And thinking of the title, let's talk about the cover, too. So this very famous flower that kind of looks like it's dripping blood, a petal is falling off. What do you think of that? I just want to show you, this is the biggest note I've ever taken for anything that we've read. This is all about the cover, this huge deep note right here. I did a deep dive. Let's hear it. So, first of all, first we're going to go into the colors. On Midnight Sun and in Twilight, there's red and white imagery. Midnight Sun is mostly red, but Twilight, there's white and there's red. And in looking at the back cover, they have all of the other covers so I can see what the rest of them look like. And there's white and red in pretty much all of them. In my mind, I associate the white with Bella and the red with Edward just from context, I guess. Like in Twilight, it's clearly like an Eve sort of idea, Eve holding the apple. But in my mind, it's like Bella kind of embracing this this knowledge of Edward being the apple, like diving into what all that entails. So on this cover, we have a flower that's sort of a mixing of the colors almost, like there's no separation. They're all sort of together. So I'm like, hmm, interesting. Red and white mixing together. There's no, uh, there's no differentiation between them. They're kind of commingling. But I wanted to know more about the flower that's on the cover. So I did a little research and the flower is a tulip um, and there's different meanings for red tulips and white tulips. So in general, tulips are supposed to symbolize sort of a perfect love, that there it's it's a flower that is tied with romantic emotion, but specifically love in the most perfect sense. And so white tulips symbolize forgiveness, which interesting. And red tulips, I'm going to read this because I wrote it all down. So red tulips, they think the meaning behind them stem from a Turkish legend because apparently tulips originated in Turkey and are named after the Turkish word for like a veil or a face garment because they're so billowing. They resembled almost like a veil in a way. And I guess the word in Turkish for veil is close to tulip. I don't really know. Um, but in the Turkish legend, there's this prince named Farhad, and he's in love with a maiden named Shirin. I'm sorry about pronunciation. I don't know if that's correct. Shirin is killed, and Farhad, he's in love with her, and he's so stricken with grief that he kills himself by riding his horse off the side of a cliff. And where he's died, 
the, the blood drips into the ground onto the flowers and produce this red flower that's supposed to symbolize perfect love. So the red tulip means perfect love. Now a red and a white tulip together, perfect love and forgiveness. Are they concepts that could come up in Twilight or in New Moon? We shall see. That was fascinating. I am kind of shook because tulips are my favorite flower. I didn't know any of that ever. I just like them. And I never knew that this was a tulip. It just, it doesn't look like one, but now that you're saying that it is, I'm like, hmm, yeah, I see it. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of shit you don't think about when you're 13 reading this book. Yeah. Also, I got all of that information off of bloomwild.com and also teleflora.com. So thank you to both of those. Shout out Bloom Wild. Shout out Teleflora. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um yeah i love when like legends are like origin stories for that kind of thing it's very interesting to me mm -hmm. and that story you know i i looked all of that up before i read anything because that's what i did with the first i mean twilight i didn't have to look anything up i knew exactly what that was symbolizing i did kind of look a little bit up in midnight sun but that was more so the um uh, Hades and Persephone story that I did the research. Before I even read anything, I did all that research and I was like, hmm, that story of Farhad and Shireen sounds a lot like Romeo and Juliet almost. And then I opened to the freaking introduction, the little, little intro blurb, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay. You read my mind, Stephanie. And then it's even more in chapter one. Yes, yeah. Yes, and the movie leans, oh shit, sorry, I dropped my book. The movie leans really heavily into Romeo and Juliet. Um, it uses it throughout, which is really interesting, and it'll come up again in this book, too. But I'll go ahead and read the epigraph. Um, it is not going to be as good as Kristen Stewart famously reads this at the beginning of the New Moon movie, and it's, it's just like a black screen with a moon on it, and it's her voice. But anyway, these violent delights have violent ends, and in their triumph die like fire and powder, which, as they kiss, consume. Any any further thoughts on, like, the meaning of that specific quote or what, or predictions? I just, it, it is extremely fitting. I think Stephanie does a really good job of finding pieces of literature or just lore, I guess, that actually fit really well with the story that she's telling. Like, the story of Hades and Persephone really did fit well with, what she was going for in Midnight Sun. Sure, she may have overused a little bit, but it was fitting. I think that this also fits really well with Bella and Edward so far of, I mean, my my interpretation of it, fire and powder consuming each other, feeding into each other, but then using each other up. I mean, Edward is so worried that, you know, their love is going to destroy Bella and her, like, her more, more, uh, mortalness, mortality, and he's afraid that in loving him, she's going to be consumed up, I guess, like something bad is going to happen. So I think it's very fitting. I think that it actually fits very well with what's going on right now. Yes, and I agree that she's really good at like weaving in her literary references, even if they are very frequent, <laughs> but it's it's always very astute. So I'll give you that one, Stephanie. And also just the I mean, obviously it wasn't her word choice, it's Shakespeare, but which as they kiss consume, obviously in this consume means to 
totally and completely take in. But it also has an interesting side definition of the act of consuming, like eating, which could be a thing in the vampire world. <laughs> could be, could be. Undetermined. <laughs> okay, so let's jump into chapter one. It was called Party, and it begins with Bella having a dream. And she says right off the bat that she's pretty sure that she's dreaming in that way that, like, when you're dreaming, you kind of know that you are, but you're not really thinking about it. And long story short, her grandmother is here in her dream. Um, I just want to say in the movie, this dream takes place in the meadow that they went to in Twilight, which I thought was very interesting choice. Here, they don't really have a setting. But... um, you know, she's excited to see her grandmother, but and she goes to talk to her, but her grandma goes to talk at the same time. So they both wait to, like, be polite. And then Edward shows up, and Bella's thinking to herself, like, oh, my God, it's sunny out. You can't, you can't be here. She'll find out, like, there's something wrong with you. And so she kind of, like, turns back to her grandmother, expecting her to look, like, horrified or angry. But the grandmother looks, like, kind of ashamed and embarrassed. And that's when Bella realizes that what she's looking at is actually a mirror. And so she has transformed into her grandmother. What did you think of that? I mean, when you're young, it is kind of daunting and frightening almost at the thought of growing old. But I think the reason that Bella is so afraid of growing old, it just kind of bums me out. Like, she's completely written it off, and it's and it's devastating. Like, this, the whole chapter, she is devastated that she's a year older than Edward. It is the worst thing. And the thought of growing old and having a wrinkled face. Like, she uses the adjectives she uses to describe the way her grandmother looks are extremely negative. Mm-hmm. And how she describes oldness is just very, very negative. It really bums me out that like she's completely written off having and living her life in any way and that it it would be the worst thing possible it was it was a bummer I say that a lot but it was a bummer it is a bummer and I just kind of want to shake her and be like Bella time is a construct like I know that aging is real the whole year thing, I'm like, that's just a thing that scientists came up with because we're spinning on a ball of rock. Like, it's fine, you know? Yeah, and also, like, you know, aging is a thing, and it's a thing that a lot of people are concerned about, like, the way that their face and their body looks is going to change. But I feel like the reason that Bella is specifically worried about that is not for how she views herself, but for specifically how Edward is going to view her. Which, I'm like, girl... You need to care about you and not care about how this boy is looking at you. I agree. And I almost think that it has become how she looks at herself because of him. Like maybe it wasn't before she met him, but now she's like, you're right. The adjectives she uses are insane. The worst one I think is wasted. She calls her cheek wasted. Yes. Yes. That is, that's the one that I, I even wrote a note. I was like, please be nice to your grandmother. Like, cause at this point I don't think that I, I knew it was kind of a dream, but I wasn't quite sure where it was going. Like, I I thought, well, maybe, like, she's having some kind of hallucination where she's going to talk to her grandma. She was so mean to her. I was like, be nice to your grandma. She's your grandma. I know. I know. 
And this is totally off topic, but I hate, I understand, but I still hate how the first chapter in books that are in a series is always like, my boyfriend, Edward, as if someone who didn't read the first one would be reading this. You know what I mean? I'm like, you don't have to explain to me how last spring you went to Arizona. I was there. Mm-hmm. I, um, so I did a little bit of traveling. I know that you know, but for the listeners, I did a little bit of traveling during our um, vacation, and I just was really in the mood to reread one of my all-time favorite series when I was in middle school, Gregor the Overlander, written by Suzanne Collins. It's extremely good. Um, And I thought the same thing. Like, there's five books in the series, and especially I got to the fifth one. um, That uh, I read that one while I was on my trip. And it's like the recaps in that are like pages long. I'm like, girl, I've been reading this for like two months straight. I already know what's going on. We're in book five of five. You do not need to tell me everything. Why would I be reading the fifth book of the series and not know what's going on? It makes me think that maybe like editors or publishers require it. That it has like, they're like, well, they might not remember. Make sure you include that. Like, you are you underestimating what book lovers retain? I feel like the amount of information I retain about the books I love is insane. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say it's probably a requirement thing. Mm-hmm. It could be like a YA thing, although I feel like adult series kind of do the same thing. But I don't know. My thing is, is like, if you don't remember, that's not my problem. Go read the first book. <laughs> Take notes next time, honey. Yeah, sweaty. <laughs> Okay, so Bella wakes up and it's her 18th birthday, and she does kind of mention in passing that there's been a significant time jump. Um, so we left the last book approximately approximately in May, if I had to guess, because it was like spring break and prom, so maybe April, somewhere in there. And now it, her birthday is September 13th. So this is kind of the first time we've had a really significant time jump in these books. Um, and she says that they had, or she had, the happiest summer she had ever had, the happiest summer anyone ever had had ever had. I'm like, Bella, you weren't there that summer that my, I was first allowed to stay home alone, and I literally ate chicken wings and ice cream every day. Now that's a good summer. <laughs> and I would watch Jimmy Neutron for like five hours straight. It's on Hulu if you want to rewatch it. I do have to say, with all honesty, it does not hold up. I was going to say, I don't want to rewatch it because I know it's not going to be good. It's not good. Sad. Anyway. So basically, the majority of this chapter is Bella complaining about how she's getting older and Edward never will. Can I point out really quick? I just wanted to, I, we don't even have to dwell on it. I just want to say Bella is a Virgo and it, I'm not going to lie, kind of makes a little bit of sense. Say more because I don't think it makes sense. I just think that she's very particular and almost a perfectionist in a way, especially with herself. And she wants to be in control of how things go. I mean, you can see it in this first chapter that she's told everyone, do not get me gifts. This is what I want. Like, no money. Absolutely not. Like, this and that. And, I mean, she's quiet. She's very internalized. I I can see a lot of Virgo-ness in her. Yeah. Okay. I'll allow it. Friend of the pod, Remy, let us know your thoughts, because Remy is also a Virgo. Remy is a Virgo. There's a lot of Virgos in my life, honestly. My old roommate and my current roommate are Virgo. My mom's a Virgo. Um, 
Remy's a Virgo. Uh, I'm sure there's more. I know there's one more. Oh, my roommate, my current roommate, my old roommate, and Remy all have the same birthday. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Bella's on her bullshit in a big way on this one. Like, I kind of hate when people are like, uh-huh, you shouldn't have got me anything. I'm like, I literally was obligated to because of society. So I already did. Just don't fucking say that. And I feel like also, I do love those friends in my life who are like, I do not want anything for my birthday. Do not get me anything. Like, that's my gift to you is not giving you a gift because it's exactly what you wanted. But all, well, not all of the Cullens, Edward and Alice are 100% the people who are like, I know you didn't want a gift, but I, I paid for your tuition. <laughs> well, you didn't want a gift, but I bought you the entire Nordstrom store. <laughs> the chain, the entire Nordstrom chain. <laughs> I now have 50% of the stock. So any clothes you want, I can get them for you. <laughs> Nordstrom of all places. Bella would never wear Nordstrom. No, she's more of a um REI. Old Navy. <laughs> old Navy. <laughs> oh, I love it. I don't know why I said REI. Maybe because she works at that camping store. She's like I she says like a sweatshirt girl to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um so she mentions that her dad got her gifts, but then doesn't say what they are. Um, later, we find out that it was a camera and a scrapbook because Renee, of all people, Renee coordinated this. I'm like, how did she even remember that it was her daughter's birthday? Tea. I'm sipping. That's the tea. Um, but anyways, so she gets to school and she has her little moment where she fawns over the forgotten pagan god of beauty, Edward Cullen. Wow, what an intro. I can't. I can't with them. Really, I can't. I, after reading Midnight Sun and just being inundated with the way that Edward talks, like, a lot of Midnight Sun was him just ragging on himself and talking down on himself in terms of Bella. When it comes to, like, Mike Newton and any other person ever, he's better than them. But when it comes to the way that Bella thinks about him and views him. It's always very negative. And then we get to Bella, who is the complete opposite. Like, look at this man. He's made of porcelain. I want to hold him up on a pedestal and shine him with this that nice cloth that you get from lens class. <laughs> that nice cloth that you get from lens crafters that cleans your glasses. Like, I, it's so much different and I'm not ready for it. Lens clafters. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't let it go. I had to say so. <laughs> uh, okay, so as she gets to school, Alice rolls up and she has a present in her hands. And she's like, do you want to open it now or later? And she is clearly, like, not wanting to open it. So, Bella, or, so Alice is like, okay, later, I guess. But um, then... She's like, so anyways, you're coming over for a party later. And Bella's like, no, I'm not. And I have to work. And she's like, I already called your boss, who is incidentally Mike Newton's mom, and had had her trade your shift, so you have to be there. And Bella's like, but I have to watch Romeo and Juliet for class. 
And they just go back and forth. So finally it's decided that she'll go over after she watches the movie. I wanted to point out on page nine, what the fuck does Edward say? Some bullshit. He says, as discussed, so as discussed, I am not allowed to wish you a happy birthday. Is that correct? Bella says, yes, that is correct. I can never quite mimic the flow of his perfect formal articulation. It was something that could only be picked up in an earlier century. I'm like, Bella, you don't want to talk like him. He talks like a fucking nerd. I actually made a note of that exact line because in my mind, like Bella's like his perfect articulation. It could only have come from a past century. But my mind read that as like, like a news person from like the 30s going, that's just in. The, the planet has just been invaded by aliens from another planet. We got new seven coming in for more information. Like I, like, you know, like those really old timey, like the inflection that they have, that's what played in my head. I don't know why. <laughs> so hard not to burst out laughing and totally cut you off. That was so funny. <laughs> Like they always do on my favorite murder where Karen's like, there hasn't been a murderer here for 25 years. There hasn't been a well-spoken man with articulation in 117 years. <laughs> okay, so they go to class and Bella gives a whole speech about how they have almost every class together. And once again, children, I must preach to the choir. That is not helping. Not helping. I, I mean, maybe it's just me being an introvert and needing time to myself, but I mean, I love, I love Danny, but every once in a while I need a little time to myself, like, so I can recoup and, you know, be my own person, not have to wear, not that I wear a mask, but like, just not have anyone's eyes on me, just, you know, be alone and recharge. I know I, Bella seems like that kind of person to me, but I guess she's not. I have a theory that if you're not, like, good with being alone with yourself, you probably just have some, like, internal work to do, some stuff to work through. Like, I just feel like being alone with yourself is a sign of good mental health. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Bella just historically. She probably took care of Renee for so long that she was used to having a constant person just around needing her that maybe she also needs that too. That's true. Yeah. It could definitely have to do with her upbringing, but Charlie pretty much leaves her alone. So maybe, yeah, maybe she's lonely because she doesn't have like that person that Renee was. Mm -hmm. But it, we also see her sort of taking care of Charlie, too. I mean, she cooks for him. She does a lot of the dishes and chores and stuff. Like, she acknowledges that he can't really, he's not, like, an, an adult, you know, that she's doing a lot for him. Um, so I don't know where I was going with that point. But, like, even though she's by herself, I feel like she's still, in a way, like, caring for him and being being on top of him in a way. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, in kind of this backstory that she's giving the reader, Bella brings up how much money the Colons have and how Alice gets it because she predicts the stock market. And she is like, how could I let him give me gifts when I already have won the entire lottery by dating him? Which I'm like, he won the lottery dating you, first of all. Second of all, treat yourself with that stolen money. It's not like you stole it. 
I was making a joke earlier about letting him buy your tuition. She mentions that he was like, let me pay for your tuition because he wants her to go to college and live a full life. Let him pay your tuition, girl. Lean in. Let him do that for you. You will not um, you will not not appreciate that gift. I am telling you, as someone who has to pay tuition this week, I'll let him do it. I know. And her whole thing, too, is like, I don't want to go to college. It's like, focus on the bigger picture here. You might have fun. You have a sugar daddy that you literally want to give sugar to. Do you know how rare that is? Mm-hmm. And he's saying, no, I don't want the sugar. I just want to give you cash. Like, that doesn't happen. <sighs> For real. Um, also, I don't really know much about the government or money or stonks, but I just feel like if one, maybe they use fake IDs, I'm sure that that's not beyond them, but I'm like, wouldn't the CIA or somebody catch on to this eventually? How they're always predicting the stocks that are going to have money? Yeah, I'm. they have to have fake stuff. Like, there's no way that they don't because they've they've been around enough. Long, they've been around long enough to know what's going to fly. Like, maybe they got in trouble in the past and now they know how to do it well. Maybe. You know how that whole the whole story is like no one knows who invented Bitcoin because it's untraceable. I feel like it was fucking Alice in her free time. That's the tea. Um, okay. I was going to ask you, too, about, like, do you, are you looking at Edward in, in any kind of way now that we have read his perspective? Like, anything he does in this chapter, are you kind of like, huh? Hmm. Oh, yeah. It's very clear, knowing what his intentions were at the end of Midnight Sun, that he is trying to slowly break away that he is trying to get her interested in other things so that maybe she can, she'll go a different path that he can kind of slip out the other way. Like, Oh, you should definitely go to college. Like if you want to go to college, I'll pay for it. Please go check it out. Like it's, if, if I had read this, not knowing I might just interpret it as Edward is generous and he loves her and wants her to have anything that she wants but knowing that he is planning on ending things and that he's he he knows that she will be unsafe with him and that he has to break away at some point it's i'm seeing those signs kind of bla blaringly obvious mm -hmm. okay yeah i figured but i wanted to check in mm -hmm. um doo -doo. okay so bella makes um, a weird reference to how they she sits at a lunch table with like the human people, but they sit like apart and have their own conversation. I'm like, then what's the point? Yeah, I I, I like I like that there was effort to try and have your friends be friends with your significant other and vice versa. But like you said, what's the point if it's not if that's not what's happening? It's just awkward for everyone. Right. Yeah. You achieved nothing. <laughs> I do like, though, that if it's a sunny day and Alice and Edward are gone, that her friends do effortlessly incorporate her back into the friend group and things are normal. Like, it's not like, oh, well, you're just hanging out with us because you have to. Like, it seems like they do enjoy her company and want to be friends with her. So I did like that. Yeah, that is nice. 
she also I think I already skipped past it, but she also says that Mike Newton like had changed his hair over the summer to like be more like Edwards. And I just want to be like, sis. Everyone was wearing their hair the same fucking way in 2007. It's not all about Edward. Like, I'm sure Mike probably saw it on a celebrity. And maybe Edward influenced him, but I highly doubt it. I 100%, like, when she was describing the crispy, faux hockey kind of a thing, I'm like, I can picture everyone in middle school wearing that hairstyle. Everyone had the crunchy hair. That, that was just the thing. But I also, my second thought was that if these guys could just know that each other are having pissing contests over the other, I'm just laughing at them. They just hate each other for no reason. It's just, it's humorous. It is, yeah. It, it, it does add a, a bit of comic relief, I will say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so finally school ends, and so they go to Bella's house to watch the movie. Um, bottom of page 15, I knew you would love this. You should be in a good mood today. Okay, start over. <laughs> you should be in a good mood today of all days, Edward whispered. His sweet breath fanned across my face. His sweet breath did what now? And why are you talking about it as if it's sweet? If you have sweet breath, it's a sign of diabetes. So maybe you should go check that out. Is it really? Mm-hmm. It's like your body trying to get glucose out in any way possible. Huh. Interesting. Well, after that unpleasantness, um, they kiss. Edward still won't kiss her for real. And then they go watch the movie. Um, I was going to make a rude comment about Romeo. What was it? Yeah, the rude comment I was going to make about Romeo is that Bella says, this is on page 17. What's wrong with Romeo? I asked, a little offended. Romeo was one of my favorite fictional characters. Until I'd met Edward, I'd sort of have a thing for him. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What? What? You could still have a crush on a fictional character. I mean, I definitely get it. I'm. A, I have a lot of crushes on fictional characters. Romeo is like 12, though. Is he really? And he's like he's a teenager. He's like 14, I want to say. Ugh. This whole discussion about Romeo and Juliet, I hate to get it on my high horse in this way because I've done it multiple times and I'm kind of famous for it. But people don't realize that Romeo and Juliet is a satire. It's a satire. Shakespeare was like, this is fucking idiots. Like, this is what young people do when they're in love. And everyone's like, the greatest love story of all time. I'm like, y'all fell for it. You fucking fell for it. Are we not going to talk about the parallels between the way that children act when they're in love with Romeo and Juliet and the way that children act when they're in love in Twilight. Go ahead. Pop off. I just, just the, we are meant to be together. I am so in love with you. I've, I know we met a month ago and you ignored me for three weeks, but you are the love of my life. You're all I can think about. My world is centered around you. I don't care if multiple people die in the process. My love stands can be interchangeable between Romeo and Juliet and Twilight. Yep. Period. As I said, you'll get more of that as this book goes on. Anyways, Bella cries at the end of the movie, and then Edward says, I do sort of envy Romeo here. And Bella thinks that he's talking about how pretty Juliet is, but he's like, no, I envy the um, ease of the suicide 
And then he talks about how when he thought Bella was dead, his brain was making contingency plans, as we know, because we read it in Midnight Sun, about going to the Volturi. So he gives Bella a little bit of an explanation on them, which it was surprising to me because I feel like we've heard about them multiple times and she has never heard the word, apparently. I thought it was said in Twilight, but apparently not. I mean, maybe my brain is like, what's that called? Mandela affecting it for me. Yeah. That I thought I thought maybe the word is mentioned, but not necessarily any kind of description. I know in Midnight Sun there's more detail that's given, and maybe my brain is trans transporting that information into Twilight for me. But I want to say that in the scene when Bella is looking at the painting or the photo of Carlisle in Italy, I think that Volturi is said, but it's just like, that's it. Like the word is just said. There's no description or there's a very extremely brief description and it's moved on from there. Yeah, uh, that's what I thought too. But I mean, it doesn't really matter because he explains it to her right now anyways. Um, you know, there's the painting in Carlisle's study that Carlisle is actually in, um, you know, of like the orgy and then the, the four quote unquote gods standing above watching it. Bella surprisingly remembers their name, names, Arrow, Chaos, and Marcus. And then Edward explains, you don't in irritate the Volturi, not unless you, you want to die or whatever it is we do. And Bella naturally and understandably freaks out at this. She's like, you can never talk like that. Like, it's not your fault if something happens to me. Like, also, if I, if you died, would you want me to kill myself? All this stuff. All good points. It's true. It's true. I, I mean, I don't think that there's anything wrong talking with your partner about past issues that you've had and things that you've dealt with. However, I don't know if describing in detail to your 17 year old girlfriend that you wanted to kill yourself because of her and just like not really like saying like well I you know this is what I've done to work on that and I feel like I'm in a better place like just kind of leaving it at that I don't know if it's the healthiest thing yeah it's very blase first of all his whole approach to it second of all that's extremely manipulative which is a thing that toxic people do is they like use their mental health struggles as a weapon to those close to them. Once again, all this comes back to Edward Cullen needed therapy literally 90 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we can also look at um, going back a little bit on page 17 um, when they're talking about Romeo and Juliet, when Edward is giving his own criticism about Romeo. He says, um, could he have destroyed his own happiness any more thoroughly? Who are we talking about here, Edward? Who are we talking about? You want to be a little more specific there? Mm-hmm. Okay. A little Freudian slip. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they don't really come to any kind of conclusion on this um, because Charlie kind of shows up in the middle of their conversation and Edward asks for permission to bring her to the party. And Bella is hopeful that he'll say no, but he's like, no, I want to go watch the Mariners play the Sox. Now, is it the White Sox or is it the Red Sox? I'm sorry, but we have to stop here. I, I made a note of this. I think you bring up an excellent point that I'm going to expand upon. Okay. 
my note is furthering on does Stephanie know anything about baseball? My theory, no, she doesn't. Why does Charlie care so much about this game on his daughter's birthday? He says like, oh, well, these two teams are playing. So I got to watch. This is a must see game. Now, my mom is a huge baseball fan. My whole family is very into baseball. But my mom does not. Sometimes she watches a Rockies game. We live in Colorado. So sometimes if it's on and she's looking for something to watch, she'll watch a Rockies game. But she watches all of the Red Sox games. She pays money to get the package so that she can watch the Red Sox games because she's from Massachusetts. She grew up. That's that's her team. That's my family's team. If the Sox are either the Red Sox or the White Sox, it honestly doesn't matter. They're playing the Mariners, which is a Florida baseball team. So either it's a Flo- – yes, it is. I saw no, a Mariners game. The Florida is the Marlins. The Mariners are from Seattle, which would be the closest to Charlie. Oh, my God. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> I was like, where is she headed with this? I'll stick in it. I'm curious. My brain is literally dumbfounded right now. You're 100% right. I went to a Marlins game in Florida when I was there. So when I read Mariner, my brain read Marlin. And I was like, why does he care about this? It's a team in Florida. Wow. Okay, well, never mind. You want me to cut it out? I'll leave it. I my point was valid if it was real that Stephanie doesn't know about baseball, but she did. I'm curious though, are the Mariners in the American League or in, are they in the National League? That's what I was gonna ask because I'm like, is it rare that they're playing one of the Sox and you couldn't you couldn't specify which sock? Both of the Red Sox and the White Sox are in the they're in the same league. I look because I looked it up. I wanted to see. They're also in the same league as the Marlins. I think that they're in the National League. Okay, I'll, I don't look, about the I'll look up the Sox. You look up the Mariners. Yeah, they're in the AL. Yeah, the Mariners are as well. So, yeah, he really, why would he care about this? It's not like, first of all, I don't really know about the intricacies of the rivalries in baseball, but I feel like the Marlins... And by the Marlins, I mean the Mariners, are not big rivals to either Sox team, which are from Chicago and Boston, if you guys don't know. And they're in the same league, so they play all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's like if if I had, like I said, my mom is a big baseball fan. If the Red Sox were playing the Yankees, she would definitely record it. I know, I don't know if if recording was a thing in 2008 where you could just go and rewatch it back on your DVR or whatever. She would record it, but it's my birthday. So we would, that would be more important. I mean, Charlie's a pretty low key guy and I'm sure that he's aware that Bella doesn't really want to do anything pretty crazy, but I don't know. Just the emphasis he puts on this game is bizarre to me. Yeah. It screams. I don't know about baseball, but I tried to make it sound like I knew about baseball. Yeah, I and also maybe if Charlie was introduced or had a history of being a huge baseball fan, like I think maybe he was watching a football game in Twilight at some point. But I don't really 
like, yeah, I guess it makes sense with his character that he likes sports, but it's not like, oh, well, I mean, Charlie had to watch the baseball game. I mean, why wouldn't he? That's, that's his thing. You know, like, I feel like his relationship with Bella means more to him, but I mean, I, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. I don't know. It, the way that I'm going to validate it in my mind is that he knows that Bella doesn't want any attention. So he's like, well, if you guys want to do something, I got a baseball game to watch. So don't think that I'm going to be upset. Yeah, I could definitely see him doing that. And they're both just like introverted. So he's probably like any excuse I can get. I'm going to use. Also, my apologies to the Marlins and the Mariners. I'm sorry that I thought you guys were the same people. Honestly, I bet a lot of people who don't care about sport ball have skipped through this entire part. So welcome back. <laughs> I also made a note that, like, why does he not care about the Nationals? Is that also a Washington baseball team? Washington, D.C. Wow, this note makes n- this not a smart note. I, I literally Googled Washington baseball team and it told me Nationals. So I was like, oh, the Nationals. <laughs> <laughs> the effort was there. I appreciate the research. I just really want to catch Stephanie in not knowing about sports as someone who also doesn't know about sports. Like the one sport that I feel like I know the most about is baseball slash softball. And clearly we've established that I, even at that, it's very limited. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. I will say that boyfriend of the pod, Jacob, when slash if he's listening to this, it has been screaming for the last 10 minutes because he's like, this man knows like the third base coach on the fucking Arizona Diamond Diamondbacks in 1937. So he's pissed, probably. Who's his favorite team? The Yankees. And this is the man that you like. And this is the man that you love. He gets so much hate for being a Yankees fan, but his family's from New York. Still. Also, I don't care. People are always trying to be like, nah, nah, Yankees. And I'm like, I have not watched a Yankees game literally ever. Talk to him. I don't care. I just thought you liked the Red Sox and like of baseball rival rivalries. Like I feel like Red Sox and Yankees is one of, if not the most despised and hated. Yes. My dad likes the Red Sox cause he lived in Massachusetts for a while. I like the Red Sox. Like I like Dippin' Dots wherein I've had them twice in my life. And that's about it. Were you the person in my life who was a big Manny Ramirez fan? No, that was not me. Maybe it was Taylor. I can't remember. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> back to the plot at hand. Oh, first, real quick before they leave, um, Charlie's like, say hi to Alice for me. She hasn't been over in a while. And Bella says, it's been three days. Is this creepy or is this creepy? Uh, do you see my face? Yeah. <laughs> for the, the listeners, my face is a grimace. Like, I, I was trying to put this into my own high school life and I was trying to picture a heterosexual student having that close of a relationship with the opposite gendered parent who is also a heterosexual but like it's like a friend parent situation like like if like I was like I mean I like Emily's dad but we would never hang out I don't think we would ever hang out without Emily. Never, ever. But he's cool. And I, I, he's emailed me before, like, about UFOs. Like, he's a cool guy. And I know that he likes me and I like him. But that would never be the case. And, like, I'm thinking, like, oh, Tommy's dad. Like, he was cool, but I would never hang out with him. I'm thinking about, like, my mom with 
I'm the only boy that I hung out with was Tommy. And I'm like, well, I mean, maybe they would hang out. I don't know. But Tommy's not heterosexual. So it's not, it's not like the same situation for me. I don't know. It just doesn't, it creeps me out. Like, cause Charlie doesn't know. Charlie doesn't know what the situation is. To Charlie, Alice is just a high school student. Why is this a thing? Why is this relationship thing? Why why is this relationship a thing at all? I don't understand. I think it's great that, you know, he's close and has a good relationship with Bella's friends and that, you know, someone who is taking care of his daughter, he has good communication with and, you know, is close with. But the fact that he's like, well, she needs to come by again. Why are you inviting a high school student over? I don't know. It just seems weird to me. It's extremely weird. And this shit would not fly if this book was published in 2021. Like, the editor would be like, you gotta cut that. Cut it. Uh, so anyways, Edward and Bella leave to drive to his house. And when they get there, it is very extravagantly decorated. I'm like, I want this to be my wedding setup. Jap- Japanese lanterns hung from the porch. Big bowls of pink roses lining the wide stairs up to the front doors. They get inside, and she's covered every surface with pink candles and dozens of crystal bowls filled with hundreds of roses. There's a table with a white cloth draped over it that has a pink birthday cake, more roses, a stack of glass plates, and a small pile of silver-wrapped presents. I love—pink is my favorite color, and I love roses. I'm like, hell yeah, I want to be at this party. However, why— is there more than one plate, seeing as only one person could consume this cake? I didn't even think about that. I forget about that every single episode. That is a really good point. I mean, I'm sure it's just for ambiance, and, like, Bella does seem like the kind of person who wouldn't want to be singled out like that, except in this situation. She would be like, oh yeah, well, I mean, no one has to eat here. Like, I'm the only one who has to eat. Don't even bother putting out other plates. Like, I'm the only one here. So don't, don't even worry. Like, I'll be the only one. It's very weird. I feel like she wouldn't even want to eat it because she'd be too self-conscious. Yeah, that's a good point. So Emmett and Rosalie are apparently back from visiting Africa. They've been gone for months. Um... And she's just like, oh, I missed Emmett. I didn't really miss Rosalie, but the feeling is entirely mutual, so it's fine. Um, she also makes note of how Jasper is still kind of keeping his distance from her. She says that, like, I was trying to not be overly sensitive about him. Like, yeah, he's literally trying not to kill you. Like, I'd be fine with it. You know? He's doing his best. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, right now. <laughs> For the next two minutes. <laughs> So um, Emmett had left to go do something, and so Bella opens an empty box with a lot of numbers on it, and Alice explains that it's a car or a stereo for her truck that Emmett is currently setting up so that she can't return it, which is rude. You don't have to add that part. You could just say Emmett is currently installing it. I also want to put it out there. Have you ever installed a car radio or seen it, like, taken out or put in? No. It's really impressive that Emmett did this as fast as he did. I mean, I know he's supernatural, but it's kind of like you got special tools. You got to gotta go in a very specific way. There's wires. There's like a million wires. I'm, I'm impressed. That is impressive. <laughs> um, so then he goes to open, or Bella goes to open Edward and Alice's present. 
and she cuts her finger trying to open the paper. Before we get to this, what is the present? Wrong answers only. I actually don't remember, so I don't even know the right answer. Okay, I know that this is not the right answer, but there was so much emphasis on him not spending money on it that I was thinking she was going to open the box and there wasn't going to be anything, and then he was going to be like, I'm breaking up with you. That would be terrible. I went completely the opposite way, where I was like, he molded a dildo out of clay in the shape of his own dick. That would be immoral for him. I know, but that's why it's wrong answers only. Oh, okay. Um, okay, let me think. Let me think what else doesn't cost money. Oh my gosh. He found a rock at the meadow, and it smelled like her. And he was like, you know, it you sat on this rock when we were at the meadow together and it smells like you. So that makes it seem like it smells like her butt. Maybe not the answer. <laughs> I guess we'll never know now. <laughs> I mean, we might know like in the next chapter or two, but we'll see. Yeah, we will see. I don't remember, honestly. Um, long story short, when Bella's finger starts bleeding, all hell breaks loose. Um, Edward throws her back against, it's like, you could have thrown her anywhere. I know you have very quick reflexes. I know this about you. You could, like, count all these bugs in the span of, like, two minutes in the meadow. Why couldn't you throw her against the wall? You had to throw her into the fucking glass? You dipshit? I'm gonna offer this. In Twilight, there's a scene where Bella is driving, and Edward is able to pick her up and move her out of the driver's seat while simultaneously moving himself into the driver's seat and the car doesn't stop moving. So somehow there's a foot being on the pedal. Clearly he's very dexterous. Could you not have lifted Bella up and just run? You are the fastest person of the family. You couldn't have just gone out of that situation. If you had run with Bella, there's five other Cullens there. I think they could have maybe gotten Jasper. I mean, I know Jasper's strong, but five against one, they may have been able to stop him and you could have run. I don't know. You didn't have to throw your girlfriend. There was a lot of alternatives to what ended up happening, is our point here. Mm -hmm. So, of course, she starts bleeding a lot more because there's glass sticking out of her freaking arms. And she says, the last sentence of the chapter is, dazed and disoriented, I looked up from the bright red blood pulsing out of my arm into the fevered eyes of six suddenly ravenous vampires. Two things. Number one, who do you think is the one who's not ravenous? Because there's seven vampires in this room. Carlisle. Okay. Reasoning? He just seems the most able to stop himself and the one who, I, I mean, I know Edward cares about her, but I feel like Carlisle cares about her in a way that, like, is unbridled by romantic love. Like, he really does want the best for her and wants her to thrive and do well while also simultaneously not having any sort of romantic attachment to her. So I could, and also he has, I think, the most fortitude when it comes to being able to restrain himself around blood. So I think that he would definitely be the most likely to not feel the need to consume at that point. Yeah, I like that reasoning. Number two was just an observation, and I don't mean to make light of the situation or be an asshole, but I gotta say, <laughs> oh, 
all that, all those hundreds of roses, all that fucking setup for a five-minute long party. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Somewhere in Forks, there's a baker who spent hours on this cake. Just happy knowing that somewhere, our family's enjoying this delicious birthday cake that they've made for this family. Nope. There's nope. blood on it. There's blood on it, and also, guess what? It fell over because Bella got pushed into the table. It's no longer, it's deconstructed. She did not get pushed into the table. She literally got yeeted into the table. You got me there. <laughs> Uh, did you have anything else from this chapter we didn't cover before I ask you for your predictions for next chapter? Um, the only thing, I mean, I already mentioned this, so I, I'm not going to make a note of it, but I put, you can see I wrote ending monkey puppet gif. Uh, yep. So that's how I felt at the end. I was like, that was abrupt. <laughs> it is very abrupt. She even says it's abrupt and she just owns it. And I feel like New Moon, I mean, Twilight ended well. I mean, Twilight could have just been its own book in of itself. I mean, the villain is dealt with. Things are kind of wrapped up. It could have ended in a little bit different way to kind of tie up any other loose ends and not make it as ambiguous. So New Moon really had to go out of its way to be like, well, we're doing more things now. We got more action coming, like, be prepared. So, the, like, I'm trying to think how Twilight started. I don't think it started swinging like this. I think I, I think it was just, like, Edward is introduced and he's hot. And, like, he's repulsed by Bella. If, if that even happens in the first chapter. Like, this one is, like, get ready because we are coming out hot. So be prepared for even more. Truly. Truly. Yeah, I think the first chapter of Twilight was just, like, her introducing herself, basically. Yeah. And on the same subject, for next week, we're going to read chapter two, which is called Stitches. What do you think is going to go down next? Well, Stitches makes me think, literally, that she has to get stitches. But in a more metaphorical way, I think that it's going to be sort of, how are we going to repair the relationship? How are we going to put back together what has been broken? Like, Edward is, has, Edward is so worried in Midnight Sun about Bella being exposed to any kind of harm. Just her being remotely involved in his life has put her in so much peril that he doesn't want anything bad to happen to her. And this is just another example of how she's in danger just being with his family who cares about her and loves her and wants the best for her. So... I feel like this is just kind of going to be the last straw for him. I I was wondering what the tipping point is was going to be for Edward. And Stephanie's like, here it is. Tip over, baby. So Stitches could be like, you know, she gets Stitches. And then Edward is like, mm, we got to stop this. Like, we got to, I'm going to, I'm going to repair everything. I'm going to stitch you up by saying I'm leaving. We'll see. I don't know. I think I think it's going to be I think that this situation is going to end in stitches and then there's going to be sort of a hospital scene too. Oh, okay, what's going on in the hospital? Well, stitches, you know, like getting stitches. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, okay. All right. I like it. I'm excited. 
that we're getting some new fresh content it's been fun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm excited too I mean I you know we started this podcast when did we start rec- like like the chapter one of Twilight I want to say it was like September or yes. August September yeah so we're nearing the one year mark so it's been almost a full year of Twilight slash Midnight Sun which don't get me wrong was great but I mean it was kind of reading the same story two times I am so excited to see what more there is I Millie used to say I'm so excited for you to read New Moon it was it was one of her favorites and I I mean just reading a new book is exciting I've been since I've read Gregor the Overlander I've just kind of been feeling like I want to read all of the fun young adult books and series that I never read. Like I never read the Percy Jackson series and I'm like, maybe I should get into that. I never read Harry Potter. I'm like, maybe I should read that. I don't know. There's so many good series like this that I just was never a part of that. Like getting into a new one. I'm just so excited. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to like get all these new reactions. I'm very, very excited. Mm-hmm. Is there going to be, is there going to be any good, things that you know I'm going to be like gagging in a bad way over. We'll see. Okay. Okay. I'm still trying to decide what I want to read live from this book. I have a few ideas, but we'll see. Okay. Nothing in the immediate future. Okay. Keep your keep your your eyes open and your mind open for it. Oh, I will. Don't you worry about that. All right, folks. Well, I got to go get some ice cream. I'm literally required to. My cat told me earlier I had to. So our socials. You can follow us at on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays Are for Twilight. Our Twitter is Taft Pod, T-A-F-T Pod. Um, you can email us at Tuesdays Are for Twilight at gmail.com. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash Tuesdays Are for Twilight. New book. Same urgency to help the real-life people who are negatively affected by this story, the Quileute tribe. So you can donate to their movement to move their tribal lands to safer out, safer lands out of the reach of flooding from climate change. And that is mthg.org. Paige, you got anything else before we sign off? Important message. Do not forget to wash your sheets. So many microbes can grow in there and, like, mites and bed bugs just please wash your sheets watch wash your sheets wash your pillowcases please they can grow like within a week so just be conscious i love that sometimes this is like dumb thoughts from page sometimes it's like tips from page sometimes it's like political statements from page a couple like a week ago i thought of the best dumb statement from page but i was like i have to look it up to make sure i get the words right because it's words off of something specific and then when you were doing the socials I was like oh shit I never looked that up I have to say something serious what's what's a what's a good important message and I just washed my sheets the other day so <laughs> this has been a PSA the entire episode we will see you next week for chapter two of new moon bye guys bye our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>